Welcome to another episode of the Wealth Elevator Podcast. Last episode, we talked about floor one, which is mainly about getting your first rental property to get moving on this elevator. And now we're jumping to the second floor. Now, envision your net worth at a rate surpassing many individuals' expenses. Imagine your net worth crossing over the million-dollar mark. At this point, you're getting about $5,000 to $20,000 of monthly cash flow from your investments or simply from your day job. A lot of you guys are able to make $200,000, $400,000 a year plus within your family household. Sure, you may spend two hundred grand a year, but you're still able to save a good chunk of your money. Most of our clients on the first to second floor are saving fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, which ideally you should be putting to investing, which will buy you more assets to accelerate your path to financial freedom. You know, If you're here on the second floor, you're likely already an accredited investor, which is a high six-figure earner making over $200,000 of income a year or the net worth of a million dollars or greater. Now, this podcast is your guide to transitioning from hustle mode, trading time for dollars, to the elevated realms of the second floor and beyond. Let's explore this transformation here. Your asset allocation mix undergoes a sophisticated dance between cash flow and equity growth. Patience is key for larger equity growth, often unfolding over two to five years. Now, just using myself as an example, I graduated college in 2007, bought my first rental property in 2009. And then from 2009 to 2015, I just bought all these rental properties all remotely. I had professional property managers and I was still working my full-time day job as an engineer. Now, that was when I was on that first floor of this wealth elevator. And in 2015, I transitioned to the second floor by starting to invest in syndications and private placements. And I became a accredited investor by net worth million dollars or greater. Point here making is it takes a lot of time. And some people come to us, they're already on that second floor, they're already an accredited investor, million dollar net worth or greater. They want to get into some investment that is a lot more scalable than working with little rental properties. And they certainly don't want to deal with tenants, termites, and toilets. They don't want to do all the value add type of nonsense and take on all that risk. They just want to find good operators to invest in and be as a group purchase with other people in a much larger commercial robust asset. But the hard thing here is you need to engage with other affluent investors which reveals the best practices for alternative investment portfolios. This is what basically I did from 2015 when I finally got out of my shell and I finally met other accredited investors. Now, for me, it was tough because I didn't know any people who had a million dollars or greater. My parents weren't like this. We didn't go to school with rich kids who had yachts and many, many pieces of land and rental properties and apartments. I kind of had to do this by kissing a lot of frogs, going to a lot of crappy real estate clubs, which, by the way, are a waste of time, in my opinion, because most of the people who are there are wholesalers, flippers, other non-accredited investors who are yet to get even on the first floor of the wealth elevator and buy rental properties. But if you're on the second floor, you're even another step beyond that. The key here is diversifying your real estate portfolio with 
a whole bunch of holdings of syndications and private placements. A lot of these minimum investments range from $50,000 to $100,000. And if you're able to invest in one of these deals per quarter, then that's four per year. And in five years, you'll have 20 deals. And if you've got $100,000 invested in each of these opportunities, 100 grand times 20, that's $2 million in assets. If you're on the lower end, investing $50,000 per deal, now you're talking about a million dollars of assets invested. Maybe you don't have that now, but in the next five years, if you're certainly saving fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, it's something that you could definitely do. Or maybe even consider taking a HELOC from the home equity in your house, which I call as lazy debt equity, not really doing much in there. You need to get that working. Or maybe you're somebody who's been doing the 401k for a decade or two and finally realize that that entraps you in the world of traditional investments where you quite frankly don't get very good returns from that. And you're really realizing that you're going to have to pay taxes on that at some point. And the truth is, it's probably better that you pull your money out of those types of retirement programs, pay the taxes now while your taxes are much lower now than in the future. Call it a conspiracy theory, but by leaving your money in that 401k or that IRA, you basically give the IRS a blank check to tax you at whatever they want in the future. So security is becoming unfunded and the government entitlement programs are just getting more and more and the debt is getting more and more in this country that all signs point to taxes going up in the future. Therefore, you want to get your money out of those traditional IRAs or other what we call qualified retirement plan money is the official term. If you want to learn more about that and if you want to harvest some of the funds within your QRP money, go to our info page at wealthelevator.com slash QRP to learn more about that or maybe hop on office hours that we do and we can dig into your personal situation. Or what I would suggest is join the club, go to thewealthelevator.com slash club. And then once you're on there, what we do for credit investors is set up a complimentary strategy call with myself and we can get to know each other and it can tease out some of these specifics because we really start to get into these personal situations. And at the end of the day, this is personal finance, but personal finance in a lot more advanced level. And you'll start to see this really transform after floor two, and especially get onto the penthouse level. But for now, getting back to this second floor, you've got this prototypical 20 deal portfolio. You're getting all these 20 K1s. It's pretty easy from a tax standpoint to just hand that over to your CPA. Most times you're going into these value add types of deals. That's the cool thing about syndications and private placements. It's not just simply a buy and hold rental property. The mistake I kind of made early on was I was just doing buy and hold. And today I call that strategy the buy, hope, and pray model because you're buying something and hoping that it's going to go up. Now, sure, you're cash flowing and with the tax benefits all included, you're doing a lot better than the traditional investments, but you can do better. When you get on the second floor, the wealth elevator are finally able to access the value-add component. What we mean by value-add, one of the simplest forms would be we buy a 100-unit apartment complex, and as the months go by, we renovate a handful of those units, maybe put a new appliances, new paint job, new flooring, maybe just simply put five, $6,000 of rehab into that one unit, 
do it a few times that same month, get new tenants in there and bump the rents up. We've value added that property. We've increased the net operating income of that asset and therefore increased the market value of the property. The way commercial properties are evaluated, what you do is you take the net operating income divided by the prevailing cap rate, and that is magically what the properties are worth. So you've got control over the net operating income by either increasing the income, which you can do that by increasing the rent by doing construction, or you can decrease the expenses, one or the other, but both is increasing the net operating income. And that very simply is how you make money in value-add real estate. It is a, a strategy that really takes life by the, the horns of the bull. Whereas the buy, hope, and pray strategy, you're really at the whim of the market going up and down. That said, real estate typically goes up in value. But when you combo that with the value add, you really take your own future and your control. And this is where you see the stronger returns in these types of value add types of business plans. Most of these value add projects could take anywhere from three to 10 years just taking somewhere in the middle of that five years, you can see why this prototypical 20 deals in five years allows these deals to go full cycle. And the magic starts to happen when you, know, you invest a hundred grand, you get $200,000 back in five years, and you redeploy that into not one more deal, but two deals. So it's like stock splitting every five years and you just grow your portfolio and you're also still working your day job and continually to augment your portfolio there. Obviously, there's a lot of investments and not one size fits all. It's not a rigid map, but you can see how this hockey stick grows, how your net worth grows by doing it this way. And all the while deferring taxes to the future because a lot of these syndicated deals are able to utilize some of the more aggressive tax strategies such as bonus depreciation, utilizing cost segregations. When you are a rental property owner on the first floor, you're likely deducting the asset improvement value one twenty-seventh of the value over 27 long years, which is great, which is going to probably knock out a lot of the income that you're making, making it sort of tax-free. But with the syndications and private placements, when you're getting into a larger commercial asset, you're able to justify paying five to $10,000 for a cost segregation study to give to the CPA to aggressively write off that property a lot quicker. In some cases, we're able to, instead of taking 127th of the value of the asset in the first year as a loss, we're able to take one third of the value in the first year. And this creates a huge loss. This really empowers investors with these things called passive activity losses to now offset the passive income that they have in that particular project. And if your CPA is sophisticated enough to do a grouping election, now you're able to offset the passive income within the entire investment portfolio. That's it. Very basic, but you'd be surprised how many CPAs don't understand this stuff. So if you guys never need a referral to the CPAs that we use, reach out, join the club, thewealthelevator.com slash club, and shoot our team an email at team at thewealthelevator.com. I'm passionate about you know unlocking this for a lot of people because it's worked for me and it's really changed my life. Some people are able to implement real estate professional status. 
a very common situation where you have a working spouse who makes several hundred thousand dollars and their other spouse can stay at home with the kids. And because they implement real estate professional status at that point, they actually net more money while the other second spouse not having to work and make a salary. It's a beautiful thing when you get really tax efficient and you're comboing with the right strategies here. And this is the wealth elevator trifecta, which you really start to activate on the second floor which is getting into alternative investments, which is the deals. And what this does is unlocks these augmented tax strategies and tax benefits. I've seen people within our mastermind group saving fifty dollars to $100,000 a year in taxes right off the bat. Obviously, these are people getting killed on taxes, right? Paying $100,000, $200,000 a year on taxes. These simple maneuvers that we can do to save them fifty grand. The cool thing is not only they save the 50 grand, but they can put it right into deals and make even more money from there. Then when you combo with the third part of the Triforce here, the third part of the trifecta, which is infinite banking and a credit investor banking, which is our little spin on it, it's a very powerful trifecta, which I think that it can get people to where they want to be in a third amount of time. All three of these strategies are cool in itself, but put all together, that's when things really take off. The Infinite Banking e-course is free for investors who sign up for our club. It is in your guys' member portal once you guys sign up. The tax strategies are on the website there too at thewealthelevator.com slash tax. There's also some other items within the e-courses that we have in the members portal. And as far as deal flow goes, I think that's the difficult part. That's the part that I found some difficulty when I made the switch back in 2015 and started to sell off my pain in the butt rental properties for these syndications and private placements. Because what you're having to do is vet operators. And when you're first starting out, especially if you don't know any other credit investors doing this types of stuff, it can be a very daunting world where there's a lot of magicians and marketers out there who are doing these types of deals. And that's where we're big on education. We have an e-course that teaches past investors how to vet deals. It is a bit lengthy, but people are throwing serious money at this. And so was I when I first started. Now today I have the people around where I trust and where I get a lot of my referrals from, where I do a lot of my due diligence through. But it wasn't always like that. And it's not going to be like that for you. We have events through the Wealth Elevator from our participants and investors. And we try and keep a pretty close-knit community. But in the beginning, you're not going to have that. And you also need to get yourself up to a basic prerequisite level of your deal knowledge. You need to know the basic things like what's a pref, what is a version cap rate, the key things to look for in a deck so you can carry on a conversation. Basically, if you came to Hawaii or this year we're doing our annual retreat in Las Vegas, if you came out and, you, and I sat you at a table with five other accredited investors, I need you not to embarrass yourself so you can finally get on a par level and start to build real relationships with other investors. That said, the people that we have in our community are cool people and we have everybody helping everybody out, paying it forward. The whole idea of the wealth elevator is you ascend to the top as quickly as possible, as safely as possible, but send that elevator back down for the next guy, right? Help out each other. Let's build this community with solid people all going to financial freedom 
together. That's why you got to get yourself up to a certain level. That's what I hope to do on these podcasts and the e-course for those of you guys who do sign up for the free club and book that onboarding call with myself. You need to get out of your shell and meet other people and mix it up. Like I'm an introvert. I do happen to get really passionate about this stuff because it really changes lives, makes a positive impact on the world. And I feel like that this is my way to give back to society. I also love money and I love investing. So this is something I'm actually really, really passionate about too. I turn into almost a different person when I start to talk about this stuff. Join the club, thewealthelevator.com slash club. Get access to a lot of that free content so you can get yourself up to a certain knowledge level to meet our crew. That group knowledge is very, very important because I see a lot of people coming into our community struggle with sort of the brainwash with investing in 401ks and paying off our house. Most people coming in have bought houses and they pay it down diligently and some even pay extra payments to it. You need to stop doing that because that's not good money management, in my opinion. You need to be utilizing debt and figuring out where your lazy equity is hiding. If you're not around other people thinking the same way, it can be a real uphill battle. This is why some people who are just not really open-minded to these types of ideas and thinking for themselves and really thinking through the numbers. If I take money out of my home and pay a certain rate on it from my HELOC, I could invest it somewhere else. Sure, there is some risk there with risk comes reward. And there are, there are ways to mitigate that risk by doing due diligence, getting yourself around the right community, especially if you're on this, this second floor. And the second floor is not financial independence yet. You haven't hit your end game. End game I define as anywhere from three to $6 million net worth. Some families of four have high spending amounts and bigger lifestyles. They may be on that higher end. Older couples who don't have kids, they have to worry about sent through college. Maybe they've already sent them to college, maybe on the lower, especially if you live in a lower cost part of the United States. But if you're not to that point yet, you're on this kind of second floor where you need to still be aggressive and you need to deploy your capital to more alternative investments to get better alpha than what is out there in the mainstream traditional investments out there. We'll get into this a lot more in detail and you can check out some of the older podcasts on this. Remember, wealth building rules aren't really fixed. Your goals will dictate on where you're at. If you check out the book, there is a table that sort of outlines based on where you're at. Again, if you're on the second floor, you're still trying to strive to getting to that net worth level of four five, six million dollars net worth. Sure, I do see when people get to two and a half million dollars and they're already maybe in a half a dozen, dozen syndicated deals. I think that is an inflection point where people start to really start to see the progress getting to end game a lot faster or they feel like they're coming downhill. You need to strive to get to that point. I'll be talking more about the higher level floors, what that mindset is, what you're doing for your taxes, what you're doing for your infinite banking at that point. And just know the whole construct of the wealth elevator is that there's different floors, there's different levels to the wealth elevator. And this is what's hard at some of our events where there's complete trust within the clientele to basically put your name and your net worth on your name tag. 
sometimes you do need that context. Two investors could be talking, but if one person who is $1 million net worth in their 60s is in a totally different place than somebody in their 40s with a $3.5 million net worth closer to end game, meaning that that person may be investing a lot more conservatively, or even that older person who is at $1 million net worth, they need to be more aggressive. That also brings up another point. I don't care how old you are. Your age means nothing. To me, your carbon date is where your net worth is. And that sort of dictates where you are in terms of the net worth. And what overlays on top of that is what is your personal consumption levels and your spend rate. And that dictates where you fall in this paradigm. And that's why we urge you guys build a relationship with us. A lot of this stuff does become personal finance. And that's why we do those free onboarding calls for new investors coming in to really calibrate where you are with a subset of you know investors, you guys listing here that are a little bit more advanced or actually a lot more advanced than the average person out there that are still trying to save money on a monthly basis from their personal finances. To close out the podcast today, we will get into it a lot more and talk about some of the higher level floors coming up. If you guys like these podcasts, reach out to us, join our club, thewealthelevator.com slash club, and we'll see you guys next time.